James, do you want to talk about this episode of Criminal Minds? I would love to talk about season one, episode two, Compulsion of Criminal Minds. I I love how it's never going to not, that intro is never going to not sound super fake. And I love that for us. <laughs> Just because like, what other way do you get into a Criminal Minds podcast? Like, hey, what's up? There's murders. There's fires. That's it. What's up? My name's B. I'm joined by James. This is a wheels up. Like, how do you intro that and not sound fake as hell? I kind of like our incredibly fake sounding intro. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> wheels up. It's, it sounds super fake, but that's okay. You know, sometimes you just need to sound incredibly rehearsed. <laughs> it's good because inevitably we'll have one that's like, hey. Do you want to talk about criminal minds today? And I'll be like, not particularly, but guess here we are. (laughs) But we're here doing it anyway. So I was dealing with this whole desk debacle. Oh, yeah. And you've been switching your sleep and stuff. I made the whole desk in my living room because that's where I have space to make things. Right. And then I realized that the hallway back to my bedroom was not big enough. (laughs) Ooh, girl. So I had to just take the desk apart and put it back together again in my bedroom. So I've been having a great time. I've made this desk seven times. Oh my god. <laughs> but now you have it, though. But now I have it. I'm standing. I have that good standing energy. You've got that podcast standing energy. I got that high, just that high energy bullshit that everybody knows and loves. <laughs> welcome to wheels up welcome to wheels up i have that high energy bullshit everybody knows and loves we're talking about uh season one episode two compulsion today this is a fun one i okay there are some things in this episode that make me cringe so hard Mm -hmm. but i feel like it is peak just criminal minds energy. Okay. You know what? I'm kind of with you there, actually. Yeah. No, like, it's I'm with peak, you there. It's peak. I just so happen to know about religion enough that I figure out this. I just so happen to put together these clues. They're, like, hand-feeding us the number three, but no one puts it together until Reed has a montage. Yeah. You know, it's just peak, peak criminal minds energy it it really is good early criminal minds energy because they they yeah. know so many things but they also <laughs> don't know shit and the way they piece things together in this episode again wild absolutely just bonkers so let's talk about this episode okay because the episode starts off where the last episode left off with the Gideon and the footpath killer. Yes, it does. And apparently this was all a flashback to when he did catch the actual footpath killer. It was not happening in real time. I'm very confused. The structure right. of this episode and the end of last episode makes no goddamn sense. None. I understand the purpose of the flashback that it's kind of like Gideon's test for L who is not part of the team yet 
but by- going to be. Or is? Because she has a desk right next to Morgan. I have questions. Yeah, she's she's working with them, but when she interrupts Gideon's flashback lesson, um, he says, you're well on your way to becoming a member of this team. I have so many questions about how the behavioral analysis unit operates, just in general. So this is looking ahead a little bit, but the way, and I've only gotten to Seaver, so I've only seen a few people come in, um, but Mm -hmm. the way people join this team is so interesting. Like Aaron Aaron Hotchner is in charge of this team. and, And they are the best of the best. Right. But Elle is on some sort of like, Elle is on some sort of probationary period where she does a couple of cases, but it gets dropped after this episode. Like, after this episode, she's just on the team, and we never mention that she's, like, trying to get accepted. It just, she just It's also it. so weird, because they don't have this, like, five-person team. Is the only thing the FBI has. There are no other behavioral analysis unit teams. Yes, there are. It's just there are. Them. So you can't. I mean, like there are, but like they never show anybody like coming up through the through the little leagues. Like they never show somebody coming up through the minors. It's just like you are on the best team ever or nothing. Except, okay, so we know only be. I only know this because of one comment Morgan makes in like season four where they put them on a team or they Morgan says that they have a vacation and they get called to do this case anyway. And Morgan says, why can't they give this to another team in, you know, indicating like, I think it's like season 10 or 11. They do a crossover episode with the beyond borders team which is a team that specifically focuses on crimes committed against Americans abroad, which is a whole wild, like, imperialist nightmare. But that team also, that other team also exists. And they're apparently equally as good, but not as good. I have just so many fucking questions. Let's just talk about this episode, because Gideon is teaching a little side class with, like, three new FBI agents, and he's talking about the footpath killer that he literally just happened to stumble upon because sometimes killers are just caught through dumb luck right Mm -hmm. and l comes in and they're talking he's like you're well on your way to becoming a member of the bau tell me why the footpath killer stuttered tell me why and that's like her little test for this episode that's her little arc and that's like a weird one right Like, we're all in agreement that that's kind of weird, because in the end of the episode, the big reveal is that Gideon doesn't even know why the fuck that guy stuttered. It's just, sometimes people stutter. (laughs) I, I think what makes it, I think what makes it weird is that in the first episode, we see him teaching the class about the footpath killer and how he solved him because of the stutter, because I knew Uh why he stuttered. And then this whole episode, Gideon is promising the guy, like, I'll tell you why you stutter. I'll tell you why. 
And then it turns out he's just stalling. We don't know why people stutter. There's no real scientific explanation, even today, about what causes some people to stutter. And so the, his real test is not, here's how you profile so well you can figure out why someone stutters. It's, here's how you profile so well that you know how to control a situation. He is such a good profiler that he can see that this guy is desperate to know why he stutters. Yeah. So if Gideon just keeps holding up that carrot, <laughs> the guy is going to keep, you know, going towards it. And then he just beats the shit out of the dude. And then he just like bullies him. She is straight up again. Jason Gideon, biggest fucking bully. He just bullies the dude. He's like, I'm sorry, what are you trying to say? And then the guy's still trying to talk and his stutter is getting worse because he's being fucking yelled at by a police officer. And he's like, what did you, sorry, what was that? I can't understand what you're saying. Just bullies the guy again. <laughs> Do you think this is like a common thing for Jason Gideon that he just bullies people so hard? Okay. He bullies the hell out of Reed. He bullies Elle. He bullies Prentice. He just bullies people. He's like one, like if you had him as a teacher in high school, he'd be super mean to you, but then say, I'm only saying this because I know you can do better. Yeah. But really, he's just bullying you? Yeah, fuck this guy, honestly. Like, <laughs> I know, I know he's supposed to be our protagonist, but fuck this guy. This episode has some major Gideon psychic spidey senses in it. Yeah. We need to we need to start talking about this case because I've got a lot to say about Jason okay, Gideon in this. You episode. do it. Lay it out for me. Okay. Well, first we need to talk about JJ. JJ's here at fucking last. Jennifer Jarreau, love of my life. Love of my goddamn life, Jennifer Jarreau looking like a baby. <laughs> she does. She looks so much like a baby. AJ Cook here looks like a baby. <laughs> She's got, like, the softest cheeks and, like, beautiful hair. She also is, like, I think for the first season, every time we see JJ, she is typing on that little Blackberry. She's got Just, it. She's always fucking busy, dude. She is always busy. Tip, tip, texting. Tip, 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 she's tip, busy texting. as fuck, dude. She's the only one in this unit who does actual, actual work. <laughs> I wish we got a clearer picture of what the fuck jj does because during a case we see her like you know she communicates with the local department mm -hmm. so the team can have everything they need i assume she's the one like getting hotel rooms yeah and cars and stuff um she does press conferences she talks to the media she, but also, she also like talks to families she sometimes does that she mainly does everything Except the actual investigation when she's a media liaison. Like, she will help work, like, tip lines to help weed out the bad stuff. She will talk to the families if they're not doing, like, actual interviews. Uh, she'll, like, talk to the families. She'll decide what cases they take. She will decide what ones they need to actually travel to and which ones they can just, like, give a profile to the police department. She does a lot. Again, the only person who does actual work on the BAU is JJ. Yeah. Well, Aaron Hotchner does a lot of paperwork. Sure. Um, 
but other yes, JJ is the glue of that team. So we meet her, but she doesn't go on the mission or on the case. Yeah, um, she's hanging back uh, with with Penelope. Yeah, so she doesn't actually go on the case this time. Uh, but we meet her, AJ Cook, who was in The Virgin Suicides. I think that's what she's like most known for. Before, yeah, before. she's most known for a very confusing gay awakening for me particularly. <laughs> it was a very confusing time. Also, she's Canadian. She is. Did yeah. you not know that? Well, when I looked her up, I saw that she had like met her husband when they were um, undergrads. She and her husband have been married for like 14 years and they're Canadian. I like how you just did not know that she was Canadian. That threw you off. It did throw me off. I'm always surprised. I don't know why I am, but. Because <laughs> Canadians aren't real. They don't exist. I'm sorry. Canadians don't exist. <laughs> Obviously. Canadians we know this. on my criminal minds. More, more likely, likely than, than you think. think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the case. Bradshaw College in Tempe, Arizona. There have been six fires set in the past seven months. There were three individual fires set apart by, mm-hmm. I think, three months apart. There were three fires. Mm-hmm. And then there were two on the same night. And the third one, a kid named Matthew, was burnt and killed inside of his dorm room, mm-hmm. which is when the BAU was called in. Mm-hmm. Immediately, they assume that it's a male arsonist because Reed is like, most arsonists are men. Mm-hmm. Because when women kill, it's for revenge. But when men kill, it's for power. Also, like, I think it's a thing that they touch on a lot of times is that women don't kill in very messy ways. It's always much right. more neat. A fire? That's messy as fuck, dude. You get fucking soot and ashes everywhere? It's messy. <laughs> it's nah. messy. Who's going to clean that up? Exactly. They also point out that the main motivation for arsonists, the main motivations are sex and power. But they can't figure out what, um, they can't figure out what the arsonist is getting out of these out fires. Of the fires. Because yeah, the because Matthew Rowland was killed inside of his dorm, behind the door. So like the arsonist couldn't see him die, which would have been a major, right. like thing for an arsonist to be able to see and witness what he caused. You know? Yeah. So yeah. they are very perplexed because the profile of an arsonist doesn't fit these crimes at all. Uh, and this is where we. We uh we learned some few things here in the early stages of the case that I do want to point on. Number one, okay. they also they mentioned very specifically that the water in these buildings was turned off prior to the fires being set. That's what that's how all of them got pretty much out of control here. There's also uh some stuff that we learn about Reed is struggling to think outside the box this episode. That's his whole thing. That's his whole deal. He's struggling to think outside the box because apparently he's very bad at chess. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Reed, for most of the show, at least for most of the first few seasons, is really bad at chess because he can't think outside the box. And then he becomes a chess master. I, okay, I don't want to say this because it's my favorite part of a later episode. But there's a really funny thing that happens the first time he beats Gideon at chess. And I'll bring it up when the time comes because, wow. It's a whole thing. So Jason, Jason Gideon is apparently chess god, basically. 
because he is beating genius, genius Spencer Reed at chess. Jason Gideon is better than you at everything. And that sucks, because I hate him so goddamn much. I like him. He's just, I would hate to know him in person. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair way to think about it. He, the number of times he just walks away from people in this episode. Without saying anything. He'll just leave. My favorite moment of that is there's, they try to give you a red herring. Okay, no, let's, let's get to that naturally. Because that is too good to spoil. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. And it is too good. Okay. When they first arrive on campus, Gideon is getting a walkthrough of the chemistry building by uh, their sort of like liaison, dean of students lady. And he goes to uh, like get some water from the water fountain and the water fountain's broken. Yeah, he sees a girl try to drink out of the water fountain and then she's like, it's broken. So he like goes over and like squats and is like looking at it and like, okay, it's plugged in. It should be working. And then you see him like look outside and there's some kid like trying to light a cigarette and they keep zooming in and out of this kid lighting his lighter. And then like Gideon with the broken um, water fountain. And then he's like, get out of the building and just starts like pulling the fire alarms. And then he just runs. He pulls it and he runs yelling, get out. Get out! And the dean of students lady is like, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah! And rightly so, because what the fuck was happening, huh? Like, what happened there? I feel like the logical thing would be like, oh, this water fountain's broken. Well, we do know that's something, so let me go try another water fountain. I feel like it's the second broken water fountain. That would have done it. Not like, oh, a broken water fountain in the chemistry building. Suspicious. Like, colleges just suck. There's broken water fountains all the fucking time. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a college that just kind of fucking sucks, but there's broken shit everywhere. (laughs) I thought, what I thought from them shooting back between the sprinklers and the kid with the lighter was that Gideon was going to be like, can I have your lighter? And then hold it up to a sprinkler to see if the sprinkler would turn on. I thought that was going to be his test. That would be much more logical. (laughs) Then there was no test. Just broken and so fire. Yes. I, it's just, he just does things and we have to catch up with him later. But the things he does make no goddamn sense. None. It's crazy. So this, okay, so he is right though. He is right that there's going to be a fire in this building. And what happens is that a professor um, whose office is the third, is number three mm-hmm. on the third floor. Mm-hmm. And he has a class at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. So he goes into his office and he sees something wet on the floor. And I don't know why he wouldn't smell gasoline and think, I think he, oh. I think he knows that it smells fucking weird. He just couldn't see anything. Because his office was very dark. Because he didn't turn right. on any lights. Uh, and when he does, we can see that the light bulb is filled with something. And when he turns it on, it explodes and ignites the gasoline. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
And then Gideon tries to save him. I okay. I don't know how those little boxes for uh, fire extinguishers work, but he breaks the glass, and then the door just swings open. There is a handle on those for a reason, and that reason is to use the handle. Well, it says, you know, it'll always say break glass in case of emergency. So I understand him breaking the glass, but then it just also opens. (laughs) And I feel like if I need to break the glass, that should be how I remove it. Just the combination confuses me. But that's just me not knowing how it you are correct. So then so then he grabs it and he breaks the window to the office and he's trying to like get in there and Morgan comes and grabs him, drags him out of the building and Gibeon is going nuts. Like, let me back in there. I have to save him. I got to get him. And Morgan like shoves him into the railing of the stairwell and is like, he's dead. Let it go, man. He's dead. But it's only been a couple of minutes. Yeah. But also that guy was very clearly dead because he was right where the fire began. And he got, like, shot in the face by gasoline and everything. Yeah. So, like, he was very clearly, like, dead. But Gideon's going crazy. He wants to get back inside. Can't do it. Okay. Yeah. So then they go and they talk to the three chemistry students. The Mm -hmm. four chemistry students. Mm-hmm. There's four. And, okay, this is so funny. Hotch is like, Hotch, knowing full well who Reed is as a person. Yeah. Goes to Reed yeah. and says, hey, you're closer to their age. Why don't you talk to them? And Reed's like, oh, yeah, cool. And then he just starts listing acronyms. <laughs> this feels like one of the most early like dad Hotchner moments he's like Uh, i know full well that you're gonna suck at this thing but you'll suck less next time so do it this time and he's just like why don't you go and talk to them knowing full as well that he's gonna crash and burn so hard and then Hotch just interrupts him and just stops like the BAU, which used to be called like the BSA, which used to be this, which used to be that. And then Hotch is like, okay, so we think it was a light bulb, but just totally cuts <laughs> yeah. him off. Just cuts him off and just redirects the conversation. Yeah. But like, that's good. Sure. That's what Reed needs sometime, you know? And then we get, we're first introduced to our unsub, although we don't know it. She is named Clara. She explains how you make, um, Molotov cocktail or like how you make a homemade bomb and it's three ingredients Mm -hmm. and it's like sugar water and I don't fucking remember what they were something um it doesn't matter the one that matters is sugar because she says sugar several times and she only stops when somebody else like interrupts her right which is an important thing I think it's interesting because she says, like, it's this, it's this, and it's sugar. 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 Sugar's a household ingredient. That's what she says. And it totally comes off as just, like, can you believe it? Sugar. I use sugar. Right. But then later they're like, 
she couldn't stop repeating the word sugar. <laughs> yeah. And it just so happened that her homemade bomb only had three ingredients. Which, that loses me. But the thing, they, they also bring it back to Hotch has what we'll call a Gideon moment, where he recalls something seemingly useless in a flash of brilliance. He's like, yeah, she kept spinning her ring in groups of three. That's genius. That I'll allow. You have saw something, you cataloged it for later, and you brought it back up when you needed to. Perfect. Perfect. But like, sugar, sugar, you know, like sugar. Who can believe it? It's not exactly plutonium. Yeah. Also, she says sugar four times. Yeah. So I like went back and counted and she says it four times. So that's not their pattern of threes. And I feel like a homemade bomb only having three ingredients is not special. It's a homemade bomb for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, they get a phone call and someone says that they're doing it for Karan. This took me a little while because they think she's saying Karen. Rightly so. Yeah, but when I listened to it, I thought they were saying Kara. Yeah, I thought it was Kara too. Yeah, also a woman's name, also not Karan. So when they start like talking about Karens, I was like, that's very clearly not what she's saying. But also, I was incorrect as well. (laughs) Yeah. The subtitles, the only reason I read it as Karen... I heard it as Karen to to begin with was because the subtitles that um, are on Netflix say Karen. So right, right. Let's also t- let's talk about the first instance of this red herring, shall we? <laughs> yes. Gideon ends this boy's life. He ends this man's whole fucking career. So it's a guy who's like part of a student watch Campus program patrol. riding his bike. Yeah. yeah. Riding his bike and he has to stop people and get their IDs. Mm-hmm. And Gideon is like, oh, I see you keep fiddling with your necklace. Your girlfriend thinks you're going to break up with her. Just reading this man to filth and for what? And for what, yeah. Gideon? Yeah. And he's like, you're fiddling with it. So it's new. And it says the Chinese like, it, it's in Chinese, but it translates to, like, love you forever. Yeah. So, like, clearly she's trying to, like, hold on to you. All this kind of stuff. And then just and, leaves. <laughs> and then just leaves. That's the first time he just, like, leaves. Leaves. Oh, we have to talk about... We have to talk about... We missed something. We get Chekhov's elevator key. We get a Chekhov's gun here. Yeah, so after... They talk with the science people. There's the nerdy science boy who leads them into the elevator. And we get a very cute read moment where the kid is like, oh, we're studying the three body problem. Do you know how to solve it? And Reed is just like in the background nodding. <laughs> He's like, and yeah, Hotch like you, very clearly has no idea. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so then the kid is like, oh, you have to have a key to have the elevator move after 10. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. That's important. Chekhov's elevator key. They keep trying to like solve this. Elle and Morgan are interviewing people named Karen. Which goes nowhere. Shocking. They get what we they get from the tip line a let's explain this point better. They get a tip line that says they're doing it for Karen. Karen, Karen, whom the fuck ever, right? However, after 
after they put it through some like filters and they can hear it a little bit clearer, they're actually doing it for uh Sharon, which is I think they say it's like Hebrew for God or something like that. Um they also use it dual purpose as like Sharon, the fairyman of the dead in Greek mythology. So I love that dual purpose use <laughs> for that. Yeah. They're like, it might be either one of these, but both are spooky. <laughs> both are pretty spooky. We couldn't make up our minds. Yeah. So then they're like trying to figure out who could have done it. And they find out that like the supplies are getting stolen the day before the fires are being set. So it's not quite disorganized, but at the same time, it's not incredibly well thought out. And they start to realize that the arsonist has scrupulosity, which is religious-based OCD, and is obsessed with patterns of three threes. Three is such just like a good number, too. I've just got to say it. Three, such a satisfying number. It reminds me of the episode of Star Trek Next Generation, where they get caught in a time loop and Data realizes it and he programs the ship so that in the next loop the number three will appear in a bunch of places and when they get to the end they have the option of either like colliding with one ship or trying to go around and every time they've tried to go around and it's been wrong but will Riker is always like go straight go straight go straight and so to cue himself to listen to will data put the number three everywhere because will's uniform because he's a, a commander he has three you know, metal dots on his uniform. Wow, that's why. So that's, yeah, so that's why Data, like, spends the entire time being like, is nobody else noting this pattern of three? Like, does nobody else see it? <laughs> and then right at the end, he's like, oh my god, I have to listen to Will. And so he, <laughs> he does it. That's what this whole episode reminded me of. I have never seen a single episode of anything Star <gasps> Trek related. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Wow. It's that's because Star fine, Trek is a good show. And I have a pattern of only loving trash, you know? That's why we're doing a Criminal Minds podcast. They only notice the rule of threes, though. Because Gideon tells Reed, you have to think outside the box. Don't just think one move ahead. Think three moves ahead. And then he gets it. He's like, holy shit. He goes back to watch the video. We have a Reed montage. Reed watches the video. He's like, why does this door handle turn three times and then not even actually like try and get in? It's because it's three. Then he's like, oh my God, like the third floor is under construction. The first fire happened on March 3rd at 3 p.m. Professor Wallace had a class at 3 p.m. and his office was number three. And that was Matthew's third class of the day. Whoa. And it was on Tuesday, the third day of the week. Just bonkers shit. <laughs> Just fucking yes. bonkers. Also, something that is so interesting to me about this is that Reed walks to Professor Wallace's office to wipe the dirt off of his office and see that it's number three. And then he goes to Matthew's dorm to like looks around and like finds a binder with his schedule tucked into the front flap. I just wouldn't you have his schedule already? I know it was 2005, so computer records were still in their infancy stages. But that is some shit you would definitely have. 
You wouldn't need to look at his specific door. You could just look at the fucking building directory for the professor's office. Like, bro, what? It's, it's just interesting to me that they wouldn't have like a file on the victims that's like, here's their class schedules, the family members, their dorm room numbers, like all that kind of stuff, which it's just interesting to me that they in the montage of him, it's like him like spinning in his chair. Him, like, rolling back and forth in his chair across the doorway. Him walking to other buildings. They really needed to fill time this episode, so they were like, he just needs to go there and figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So while he's doing that, we get the patrol boy again. We get Gideon and this fucking man. <laughs> I feel so bad for this kid. So Gideon is in the science building. He's, you know, role-playing or whatever. As he does. And he's looking... As he does. And he's looking at the poster of the three-body problem. And the patrol kid comes in. It's like his face like appears in the window of the door, (laughs) all creepy. And you're like ready for him to be the guy. And so he comes in and he's like, hey. And Gideon just looks at him and is like, you're not wearing your necklace. Guess you broke up with your girlfriend. And he's like, yeah, I liked someone else. And then he comes out as gay. And Gideon's like, oh, cool, whatever. You know, how'd she take it? And he's like, oh, she said I'd face the wrath of God. And Gideon goes, the wrath of God? And then just turns around and sprints out of the building. Can you imagine being a boy freshly out to yourself? You just broke up with your girlfriend, ready to start a relationship with a boy. And you're like, here's this man who, for some reason, I'm looking up to right now. I respect in this moment. Right. And I want him to tell me, like, it's okay to be gay. And instead he just goes, the wrath of God. And <laughs> fails. He just bolts. I like, cannot emphasize how fucking funny it is that Gideon just turns tail and just runs. And they like show the boy standing in the darkness at the end of the hall. And I'm just like, that kid is going to go right back in the closet. He is going to go straight to therapy for that. Like, I swear... His therapist will know Jason Gideon's name. Like, I swear to God. <laughs> what the <Yeah>. fuck? <laughs> like, what the right. fuck? So, after this, Gideon goes back to the office where Reed is figuring out the number three. Um, I am really sad we didn't get a Derek Morgan, Penelope Garcia joke about the three-body problem. I was, like, <laughs> It was really, like, it. right there. It was right there, but I guess this is episode two. They don't want to go, like, too crazy into that. But they figure out that it's Clara, or they think it's Clara. Some people in the episode say Clara, some say Clara. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So they go back to Morgan and Elle go to Clara's dorm room. Mm -hmm. And it's covered in handwritten Bible verses, pictures of... Karan, the fairy man, but then also like devil's horn, you know, diesel bub kind of things, and all these quotes from the number three, all this kind of stuff. And Morgan says, OCD, more like OMG. And L looks at him and goes, OMG. And he's like, oh my God. It's 2005, y'all. It's 2005. Can we talk about this? It's 2005, but also it's not 2005. OMG? 
this is like 2005, but if you were like 40 years old in 2005, you know? Wow. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's the fucking writers. They're like, what is OMG? When did OMG become popular? 1917. Well, I think it, the resurgence in the early 2000s, but like, this is very clearly somebody who is like 30 or 40 writing somebody who is much younger. It happens a lot on teen shows, but it also happens a lot in early Criminal Minds where they're like, I don't have an email or like, I don't know what OMG means. Like, you should. You're like 27. You should know what OMG is. Yeah, I think that's the really interesting thing. You know what? I have a new headcanon that JJ types like a 12-year-old. Like, JJ uses all of those. She's like, I send a lot of text messages. She's very <laughs> busy. You need to know yeah. she is so busy. <laughs> <laughs> she is way too busy to type out full words. Yes. Okay, so Morgan and Al are in this room. He explains what Oh My God stands for. They're reading her notebooks. And then they find, like, a room. Clara has one of those bead bead curtains curtains which is just if i were gonna have a room full of bomb making supplies i too would hang bead curtains just just bead curtains not like an actual door nothing with like a lock no 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 just a bead curtain you have to make sure your vibes can remain free right you have to make sure your vibes can go all through the apartment they can't just be bottled up in one room and then morgan and l touch Everything with their bare hands. Everything! Like, this won't be important evidence later. But also, I can kind of see, like, it's pretty obvious it's gonna be her. But it's still all evidence. They, like, pick up her water bottle. Presumably where they would get, like, DNA. He just picks it up with his hands. Casual. Just casual. That's fine. Yeah. So, they figure out that it's her. They're trying to figure out um, who is her next target. Um, wait. <clears throat> so they figure out that it's Clara, and they find out that she grew up in a house numbered 333, and she almost died in a fire, but she survived. And her mother thanked God for Clara's survival. And so that led to her now being obsessive. Compulsive. Uh, compulsive religious based OCD. Yeah. This is like one of those things I think that's really interesting to me about Criminal Minds and they get better about it later on is in that like this explanation fits Flora. But there are people who are religious who survive house fires who do not go on to become serial arsonists. It's very... Yeah, they make it very serendipitous for her to be the one person who fits this profile. Like, this is no longer a general profile to weed out a lot of different people. This is a profile specifically about Clara. (laughs) I think that that's a really good point. I think in these early episodes, the profile becomes like evidence. They're making a profile to pick somebody. Yeah. Whereas in later episodes, the profile—it really is like a tool. Yeah. Yeah, 
Like it's it's how they narrow down like searches like when Garcia's searching something and they're like, okay, we have three hundred names. Narrow this down for me. What am I looking for specifically? And they do it that way, and that like feels a lot better and a lot less targeted than this one where well, she was in a house fire. Her mom said that God tested her and Clara came out the other side. So now she's an arsonist. That's not how that works. <laughs> My mom yeah. has told me a million times that God has tested us. And I'm like, okay, Tammy. Anyway, now I work <laughs> at a call center. I don't set fires. <laughs> you know? I wish they had framed it more like she was always going to have OCD. And I'll admit, I don't know a lot about OCD being something you're born with versus something you develop it is something it's a combination of the two you are more like predisposed to Mm -hmm. having routines and behaviors but sometimes it does take like a trigger to really like get your brain stuck in a routine anyway that's something that i wish this episode of criminal minds kind of had you know really explored that like you know, Clara could always have been predisposed to OCD, but this combination of events um, gave her the scrupulosity and made her an arsonist. Also, they use stressor here, I think, much more loosely than they do in later seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, because that house fire happened when she was like six. Mm-hmm. So it takes until. This semester, she was failing out of school. And that's her stressor for starting to light fires. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they did a particularly good job of connecting the two. Like if they had, if, if her OCD was leading her to do poorly in school. And so this kind of like subset of that OCD that was connected to her religion you know, came out as a way of helping her cope as opposed to just like, oh yeah, this thing happened when she was six and now she's got bad grades. So she's going to be an arsonist. You know, it just felt too like, you know, here you go. Yeah, I think in later episodes, they call it more like an imprint or like a single event, like a single event imprint that like flavored somebody's later life sort of thing and not as just like, well, when you were six... You had a stressor, and so you were always destined to become a serial killer. Like, that's not how that works, homie. (laughs) They also, like, they use stressor less in later seasons. I feel like they use stressor when it becomes, like, a spree killer. Mm -hmm. Or, like, somebody wasn't killing, and then all of a sudden, they're killing a lot. Yeah, You know, yeah, that kind of thing. That's when they're like, okay, like, what is the stressor? What started it? It wouldn't just be like, what's the thing in this girl's past that, 15 years later is suddenly leading her, you know. Yeah. It was a little loose in this episode. Yeah. They were really loosey-goosey with a lot of things this episode. (laughs) As they are in early Criminal Minds, all of it. Season one, they just want to be like, isn't profiling cool? Isn't this neat? It's psychology with guns. (laughs) Like, they're really trying to be (laughs) cool about it. We know it's Clara. We're trying to figure out what's happening. They start running around pulling fire alarms. To Just get like everyone of out of the buildings. Yeah, they can't figure out which building it's going to be. You know who it is, homie. Like, you know who and where she's going to be. Like, That was really interesting to me. They, they couldn't, they knew it was Clara. They didn't know where it was going to be. So they just start pulling fire alarms to get all the students out of the buildings. And then 
somebody tells Hotch the third floor of the science building is under construction. Oh, no. And he's like, he's like, well, that's where it's going to be then. You know, I think the implication was that because they have people searching every building. And I think the implication is that they didn't search the third floor of the science building because it was under construction. Yeah. I think that's kind of like the implication. But when they put together that it's the third floor, they know that's where it's going to happen. So we cut to the three other science kids. Boy, who we've talked to a lot, and two girls Mm -hmm. whose names never get mentioned in the show. On IMDb, they're just like girl one and girl two. So sorry about that for them. RIP, ladies. You did so much better terror work than the boy did, so... Oh, yeah, they're literally just first chem student and second chem student. Yeah. Wow. They're just like, okay. Yeah. So the three of them are in the elevator and it stops. And the boy starts being all like, you're not going to be able to open the doors. It only opens a certain amount for safety. And the girls are like, okay, but like, try though. Yeah, literally, (laughs) that's the most unhelpful man-ass bullshit to say when you're stuck in an elevator. Like, guys, don't worry. The door's not going to open all the way. Okay, can I open it part of the way then? Are you going to help with that? (laughs) He's the only boy in his STEM degree, so he's got to be extra, like... He's got to be extra male. Yeah. So they open it, and of course it only opens like a foot, but now they can scream out of it. Which is the ideal thing to do. Right. So they're screaming out of it. They're screaming out of it. He says, I don't have the key. I put it back, you know, before we left. Which I don't understand because I thought you needed the key. To Maybe get it's not it 10 o'clock started. yet. Yeah, no. Right. But like, you would have needed the key to get it started. I don't know why they didn't have the key. Right. So he doesn't have the key. And then we see somebody like waiting for the elevator to get to the third floor and then they lock it there, turn it off. So they're stuck. That's how they got stuck there. Someone did it. And then Clara shows up looking crazy. And she, and she does. sticks her head. She sticks her head in the elevator. And she's all like, it's okay, guys. I've come to save you. And they're like, Clara, go get help. And she's like, don't worry. I'm going to save you. And then she starts putting bottles of gasoline. Like right the edge, there. Right where they can see it. Yeah, like right there. What's happening? Then she like holds up her like religious candles and is all like doing some sort of like flame up and down kneeling religious chanting thing. And Hotch has told Gideon, "Listen, she cannot be reasoned with. This is a compulsion. It's in her brain. She knows it's wrong, but she is not going to be able to stop." And you know, just don't even try to talk to her. But when he gets there, he starts trying to reason with her. He's like, this doesn't make sense. And she's like, I know. It's like, so stop. Like, homie, if that works, homie, what is the, like, what? Does that work? <laughs> I'm just, that yeah. doesn't work. And then he shoots her in the leg and the flame starts rolling towards the elevator. Oh. She covered all three kids in gasoline. So they're in the elevator covered in gasoline. Like if they get lit, that's them They're going up. Yeah, that's it. Hot shoots her in the leg. She falls over. The flame starts rolling towards the elevator. But Gideon like catches it and puts it out. Uh, And then Gideon like looks at Hot and is like, I thought she couldn't be reasoned with. And Hot is like, yeah, I know. I just, 
you know, wanted to try, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, dude? Really? The amount of serendipity in this episode yeah. is wild. Just absolutely it's, wild. It's also, I think, I mean, it's the second episode, so it is, the first time the show kind of looks at religion as something that can be helpful or hurtful. Mm -hmm. You know, because we learn later that Morgan is religious. Yeah. Um, and I think the show, one of the reasons I know I love it, and I think you do too, is, is that it has great conversations about big picture issues. And this is kind of the first time that they talk about religion as something that's harmful. And I think they do a good job of separating, like, like it's not a, a belief in God that's bad. It's not like being a practicing Catholic that's bad. Mm -hmm. It's when people take religion to an extreme or use it for bad purposes or twist it that it gets bad. Yeah. They, they don't really, like, say a whole lot about it right now. They're more like, this is a thing that is playing into her OCD and making it, this is something that is driving her to the edge of a compulsion. They don't, like, specifically, like, they're all surprisingly, like, well-versed in religion. <laughs> yeah. They are all very well-versed in religion, which I feel like, I don't know, like, I grew up in the church, so I'm pretty well-versed in religion, but they're all just, like, throwing this out here, and I'm like, y'all, if you did not grow up religious, you would not know this. Oh my god, I, I went to a Catholic university i went to the catholic university of america to get my master's degree so i know some stuff now about catholicism but i'm not particularly religious and it was just like the stuff that they were saying it's like you have to have someone in the room who knows these things this is one of the first episodes and i'm surprised i'm actually really surprised they did it so early uh yeah. like the second episode of your first season is really early to do a this person has religious ocd it's like ocd but spicy and they just, like, did that. It was 2005. <laughs> this is their second I episode. I know. You know, I was thinking when I rewatched the show, I was like, okay, get ready for some, like, Bush era bullshit. But except for a couple of, like, stomach-turning references to the Patriot Act, they're not terribly pro-America, pro- bush yeah they don't do that until later most of the times they are like these are the good guys that means they don't talk about america all the time like you know <laughs> what i mean like they don't they get pretty pro-america and very like imperialistic later like i mentioned with like beyond borders which specifically focuses on like americans abroad who are victims of crime okay sure but <laughs> like early episodes like they're not super I was really expecting it to be not this, but this is the second episode of their first season. And they're like, hey guys, what about religious OCD? Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I feel like, you know, they don't put blame on anybody for this, but I think when they hear the mom say, and God saved us, that's when they're all like, oh no, this yeah. is a religious-based Thing. like disorder yeah which is interesting it's just yeah. normally in shows like this that are very like straight and white mm -hmm. and government based yeah. they're pro 
the Christian religions and they're pro-capitalism and pro-America. like And Criminal Minds really does tone that back a lot. Yeah, they don't do it super... They don't do it a lot, which I'm very thankful for. And it, yeah. also, just, like, re-watching this today, I'm like, this, like, isn't bad, at least. Like, it's not bad. I. It really feels like they did their best to be accurate to what psychology was mm-hmm. for 2005. Yeah. The issue, I guess, is that it has... Psychology has evolved so much in the last 15 years. That this that, feels so out of date. Yeah, but it's like you can tell that they're doing their best, that these characters are all good, understanding, empathetic people. They just have outdated scientific information. Like Reed will say things about like statistics for like schizophrenics or statistics for like, you know, compulsive disorders. And you're just like, okay, this is very cringy. Like we don't. We don't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time, they were being as they were right cutting as edge. they could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what gives me a lot of leeway. F- or I think that's what lets me enjoy the show a lot. You know, because I know people that don't want to watch it because they're like, 2005 cop show? No, thank you. Yeah. Which is fair. Which is very yeah. fair. Because 2000, anything, any cop show is already. You're already on some thin fucking ice. Yeah. I'm hesitant to say they're okay, but like, they're not bad. It could certainly be so much worse. There are some things that I'm interested in seeing how they evolve because I am only on, I just started season seven now. And I'm interested to see like when, if ever, they start saying sex worker. Or they don't. They are great. I'm sorry. <laughs> All the way through season 15, they're. I'm pretty they're sure they're still on prostitute. Prostitute. Or like call girl. Call girl I'm okay with. A couple of times Emily says lady of the night. Which, which I, I love. Okay, you fucking <laughs> former goth kid. Chill the fuck out, dude. They're not vampires. A- they're sex workers. So there's like some stuff like that that I'm interested in seeing. Like like when they talk about alcoholism or mm-hmm. when they talk about like drug use. It never feels like they're talking about those people as less than Mm -hmm. you know like they acknowledge that it's an addiction and that an addiction is a disorder like they acknowledge that it's like people aren't drug users because they're bad people and using drugs doesn't make them bad you know and that's something that a lot of cop shows do even now do Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, like, I tried to watch I tried to watch SVU and I got like seven seasons in and I was like can you stop treating women like this please <laughs> it's also fun that this episode is a woman uh unsub they did it yes. pretty early on i mean they just kind of like checked their box and moved on but still they did it <laughs> i like that it wasn't like a a woman reason yeah you know this one like they <laughs> anybody can have ocd but spicy yeah like they it was something that was not like like the unsub didn't have to be a woman but she you know, was. And that's girl but power. She was. Isn't it? Isn't, I think <laughs> honestly, she was a girl boss. <laughs> honestly, I think the episode was kind of a girl boss. <laughs> I think she was bad at science, but she was a girl boss. I think she was a girl boss. If you have to rank this episode. Wait, we're not done with the episode yet. We're not done? Oh, wait, no. there's that one last thing. Mm-hmm. So they solve the case, they get on the plane, and Gideon's like, hey, Al. Remember that thing I had you thinking about? 
how did I know why he stuttered? And I was like, I don't think you did know. I think that you were just stalling for time. And also, by the way, such a hardcore thing to say to your boss. Such a hardcore thing to say to the man you want to hire you. Like, I actually don't think you knew. Elle looks straight into Jason Gideon's eyes and goes, you don't know shit. And I love that about her. I love that about her. (laughs) God, I love her so much. She is kind of growing on me in these early episodes. Good! I love her. I didn't like her till like my second or third watch through either. So if I just accept her as like a man hating. As she should be. Bitch, then I love her. As she should, as she deserves. She deserves (laughs) this. But she says, Gideon, I don't think you knew why the fuck he stuttered. Because there are theories, but they're only theories. And then you get a flashback to Gideon verbally assaulting this, just like bullying this dude. (laughs) Uh, And he's like, yeah, okay. Fair. That's it. That's the end of that (laughs) storyline. Then he's playing chess with Reed. Like, that's it. Yeah. I will say another interesting thing that Criminal Minds does in this first season is giving us such an unlikable female character. You know, I don't mean unlikable in a negative way, but I mean, like, JJ is cute and she's always polite. And when she's like, stands up for herself, it's like in a, you know, quirky, witty way. Mm -hmm. And then Garcia is like adorable and she's, you know, flirty and like, sexual and like Fun. confident in her being plus size yeah. yeah and then Elle is just a straight up man-hating bitch <laughs> you know yeah you're right and that's great it's great but it's like y'all really put that in the first season of your show in 2005 yeah y'all just like, like okay. really let her be like that and that's yeah. so funny too because i remember when i first watched criminal minds like a few years ago I went to the fandom on Tumblr and everybody hated Elle. But I went on again, like, starting rewatching this year and everything. Everybody loves Elle now. I'm like, fuck yeah. Everybody's like, that's our bitch. That's our bitch. Yeah. And I love that for us as a people that we now love our <laughs> bitch. I love that yeah. for us. Yeah. I. It's funny, coming into the fandom on Tumblr so late, people, all I see are the posts that are like, we need to respect Terra. We need to respect Seaver. We need to love Al Green away. And I was like, wow, I really missed the period of time where everyone just like hated You dodged women. a bullet. You dodged yeah. such a big bullet there, dude. It's so interesting because, you know, the male characters all stay for a very long time. Like, I know the last couple seasons have two new guys, but Reed, Hotch, Rossi, Morgan, like, they're there for a very long time. It's the women who come mm-hmm. and go, and therefore the actresses that have to deal with like replacing beloved characters, trying to mm-hmm. establish, you know, chemistry with an already like tight knit cast. You know, it's like interesting. Cast, that it's just yeah. like, yeah. So it's just like interesting that this show has, I mean, interesting in quotation marks, that this show has kind of a revolving door of women. There was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that is now coming out. That's like, that's the reason why there was a revolving door. Yep. I've been hearing. It's very yikes. It's super yikes. But yeah, no, no, you're totally right. It's like the women of Criminal Minds get thrown under the bus so often just by the fact that they're a woman on Criminal Minds. 
But like, yeah. Elle was just a bitch. And she was a bitch and she was proud. And I love that for her. <laughs> Hell yeah. Do you want to rank the episode now? Oh, On a scale of one to, to ten? What are you going to give this episode? What am I going to give this episode? Um, I think I'll give this episode like an eight. Oh, okay. Bit. Okay. It, it's not good, but it's so peak criminal minds, dumbass energy that I love it. Yeah. Are you giving an eight like to the case as well? Do you really enjoy this case and this unsub? I feel like this whole episode is the case. There isn't a lot mm-hmm. of like extraneous. That's true. Stuff. So okay. I'll give the so case. So just an eight across the board. You know what? No, I'm going to give the case like a four because there's a lot that oh, does, shit. does okay. not make sense. Yeah, it's a real bad case, but God, I love this episode. Okay, damn. You really uh, just like flipped there, huh? I I did. I did. What about you, B? What are you going to rank? I'm. I actually do. I like this episode now more that we've talked through it. Uh, it's one of those that really kind of grew on me here. I mean, like, but like, I do like this case, too, because I love the way that they solve it, which I think is just so peak stupidity. I think I'm going to give it like a seven across the board here because I do yeah, like nice. the way they do this stupid case. I like the way they <laughs> like I love the way that they solve it with the montage with all the threes. With like a oh, it's spicy OCD, OCD, but with religion this time. Like you know, <laughs> I I really do like that. So I'm gonna give it a seven across the board. I think it's pretty good. I uh, it's one of those that I might rewatch from the first season, and there's not a lot of those. So yeah. this is one that I might rewatch if I were to, for whatever reason, rewatch the first season again. <laughs> a reason which would be far and few between. But do they say the episode title in this episode? Do they say it's a compulsion? Yeah, I mean, at least I like Hotch do. does when he's like, don't try to reason with her. Like, it's not logical, it's a compulsion. They, all, no, they don't no say wheels up. up. There's no meet me on the airstrip, there's no nothing. There's none of that in this They episode. just teleport to Arizona. They teleport through a photo to Arizona. Of course they do. They always do. They always do. <laughs> Gang, that's it for the second episode of Wheels Up. We will be back not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that. Episodes come out every other week here on Wednesdays. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about episode 103, Won't Get Fooled Again, which is, I think, the longest title we've had thus far. That's a whole four words. I'm excited wow. to see how they work this episode title into the episode. <laughs> you know they, they will. <laughs> you know they will. It's the first season. Of course they're going to. Oh, they got until then, y'all, follow us on social media. We're everywhere at Wheels Up Pod or on YouTube at Wheels Up Podcast. I think. Yeah, we have the full podcast yeah. on YouTube. Uh, all of our episodes are posted on all podcast services, wherever they are found. Please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out more than you know. I just try and rush through these last things because everybody knows that you should give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and that you can find us wherever podcasts are found. That's it. We're done. We're done. Also, I said the quote that I was going to use in the discussion. What's so. the what, what's the what's the what's the one quote from this episode, Jane? Give it to me. As Morgan says, OCD, more like OMG. Oh.